There's got to be an explanation to all these UFO sightings, right? Hey, Stephen Diener hosted the Unidentified Alien Podcast. And whether you're new to the conversation or have been looking into it for years, you need to check out the fastest growing alien show out there, the Unidentified Alien Podcast, or UAP for short. There's a crazy amount of alien encounter stories out there from all over the world. And the beauty of it is that I bring them all to you and let you decide what you believe. Download and subscribe to UAP on any of the major podcasting platforms. And you can also find it on UAPpodcast.com. Hello again, everybody. Welcome to the live from spring training presented by Design Air Heating and Cooling. Timothy Michael McKernan, Derek Gould with you with all of your questions. They will be popping up on the Tim McKernan Show page on Facebook and on the Twitter tweets on Periscope. I'm at T. McKernan. Derek Gould is at D. Gould. And we will have about a half hour for your questions and we will attempt to answer them here on the program. It's all brought to you by... Design, air, heating, and cooling. Here they are. We have this lovely backdrop as we sit and talk it over with you. Design, air, heating, and cooling is online at designairservice.com. They are the number one train dealer in the Midwest, and inevitably, it's going to warm up in St. Louis. And when it does, make sure your air conditioning is ready by having Design, air, heating, and cooling come on by. and Make sure that air conditioning is ready for the warm weather. It's online at designairservice.com. The number one train dealer in the Midwest. It's this simple. Remember this logo when the time comes. Whether it be for heating, whether it be for cooling, it's Design Air Heating and Cooling at designairservice.com. That is where you can find them, designairservice.com. We'll be with you for about a half hour. And uh, Derek, you tweeted it out to uh, your people. I have tweeted it out to my people. And we have the uh, Facebook feed that I will share on the TMA fan page and people can participate in the fun and games with their questions on Facebook Live here. And I'm looking forward, I actually have questions myself that I'm anxious to hear your answer. I think I have a gentleman working on my shrubs in the background. Yeah, no, he was, uh, he was kind of to he's, say hello. Really? Yeah, when I walked in. He's, 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 he's hey, hey, we have live shrub trimming on the air. No, no. Live shrub trimming. We did the podcast over uh, in Abacoa. And, and you're real jealous? Yeah, right. the, the, the timing, studios. The timing is serendipitous. No, there's constantly leaf blowing. There is a lot of leaf blowing. Yeah, on. I, I don't think there are as many. I don't know where all the leaves come. <laughs> you I'm going to suggest maybe Georgia. <laughs> you think they blow in from the yeah. north? I can't. I don't know. Let me. Uh, I'm also doing some. I hate that I have to do it this way. You were doing it as well. We have to do it once it starts. Uh, well, once it starts broadcasting is when we have to start sharing and retweeting it. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's just the way that it is. But either way, I'm looking forward to asking you. I have three big questions, and then probably others are going to pop up uh, as we go here. So let me start with this one. It's on Lance Lynn. Okay. I figure you probably knew that that was coming. That's fine. Yeah, to, I have something for our website here shortly. Ooh, yeah. a DP. Well, well done. I don't know about that. <laughs> it's uh, It'll be something. Uh, when you see him go for one year and $12 million, Mm-hmm. Over the last 48 hours leading into his deal with the Twins, did the Cardinals ever get in the mix? Uh, not that I know of, and they were resistant to overtures from Lance Lynn's group to get in the mix on um, my last check. So I mean, Lance Lynn's people did circle back? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah they reached out. Uh, you know, they saw the way the – I mean, they just checked with them, I don't know, at least once in the past week, um, probably twice that I know of, um, to have conversation and – just never moved the needle. Yeah. The Cardinals. So, 
when you see him go for one year, twelve million, what do you think the Cardinals' reasoning was behind never even getting involved, getting a draft pick and roster churn? Yeah. Uh, you know, never underestimate the Cardinals' preference to have contracts expire and force change on the roster. I mean, you and I have both yeah, heard. We've been talking about that yeah. from here for the last month. You know, I mean, you know, I, you know they didn't like the way last season went, so they didn't want to rush out and have the same team come back. You know, and you know, John Ozelak talks a lot about how sometimes you just let the natural forces of a contract expire or arbitration or whatever make the decisions for you. Right. Um, and we saw that with Matt Holliday. His contract expired, and how much interest did the Cardinals have in bringing him back? You know, right. um, uh, Kyle Loach, his contract expired, and off he went. Uh, Lance Lynn in the same type of situation. None of his contract expired, and away he goes. I mean, I think you can, we could even probably, you know, trace this out to guys who are on the current team. Mm-hmm. But when their contract expired, would you really be surprised if the Cardinals race to bring them back or use it as a natural reason to, um, you know, to just create roster churn. Um, you know, that Lance had no interest in signing an extension that cost him any of his free agent years. He signed an extension that right went to the brink of free agency. The Cardinals and Lance both felt, well, that means you're going to go to free agency. And the Cardinals were like, all right, good luck. Mm-hmm. Well, you know, we're not going to dance. We're not, we're, we're not going to rejoin that dance. So when the Cardinals were considering Jake Arrieta, as you said, yeah. at least was it going on. Well, at least, yeah, yeah, aware of it. Right. Yeah. And then you see the deal he gets, and you just realize why, all right, well, that wasn't going to happen. What, three or 75 million? Yeah. That wasn't, that was never going to happen. What would, um, what would the Cardinals, you think, have gone for there? Shorter term, you know. So one? Yeah, one, two. I mean, that, you know, one would have been a, a, like, a pillow deal would have been, like, bonkers. But, you know, the one thing... Pillow deals, for the record, meaning one of those one year, let me see how things work. Right, pillow deal is when a guy can't get the long term deal that he wants, whether he's coming off of injury or coming off, yeah, coming off of, well, he was attached to a qualifying one. And so he got, um, he got kind of squeezed that way. Um, Pillow deal would be like what Kyle Loesch signed, where Kyle Loesch is still available in the free agent market, signed the one year deal with the Cardinals um, to you know, recreate the market or prove his value, and then scores the $40 million. Right. right. So that's, that's, a, that's the pillow deal idea. Um, in a way, that's what Lance Lynn has signed, you know, is a pillow deal, you know. And one of the, some of the elements that you look for in a pillow deal is where can you go to win or be on a team that will showcase you. So you want to go where you're going to play. Um, you know, a lot of Cardinal fans were like, well, why didn't they sign Mike Moustakis for one year, $6.5 million? Well, because what were they going to offer him? You know, three starts a week. That's no way to recreate a guy's value. He wants to know where he's going to play. You know, nine days a week. You know, he wants to play that much. You know, if possible. Um, so playing time is a big part of a pillow deal. Um, the other one is, you know, success around the team for a pitcher. Like, you know, if he Lance Lynn goes to a winning team, he's he's going to be on a winning team. The Twins are have potential to be really good. The Twins have probably they were a good team coming into spring and have certainly been the most improved team during spring with the transactions mm-hmm. they've made. Um, so you want to create that kind of environment because then you get the glow of, of wins, especially if you're a pitcher. So, you know, that that's the appeal of appeal of pillow deal. The added benefit now is he can't get qualified up. Mm-hmm. You know, so, so, yeah, you're right. Well no no because he already got one. Right. So now guys are protected 
from getting from having from getting hit by it. So the Cardinals do get the draft pick, and you also were making reference to what they can do with the draft pick. I saw you tweeting about that. So for clarification's sake, if you would uh, go through that, because uh, they get it after the competitive balance round B, um, which is shortly after the second round. But why that matters is it'll have a bonus attached to it. The slot money will be attached to it. That goes into the Cardinals' purse. That means that they can spend that money on that pick, or they can spend that pick that money elsewhere. And when you look at that pick, um, that pick you can do you can use strategically to take like a four-year senior who has no leverage, and then save that save the money either to use earlier in the draft on a guy who has a lot of leverage, like a prep player, or go after a guy in that third or fourth round with high upside, knows he has that high upside, has a strong commitment to, you know, a major college, and will get overslot bonus. Mm-hmm. So it, it, it gives you flexibility, especially in that area, where if there's a player available for that bonus, then that's fine. But more likely, if there's a player available at that spot for a lesser bonus, then you are allowed to carry that over. I think, I think the average fan goes draft pick. Who really cares? What about 2018? I saw Buster only uh, tweet. I don't know if you saw when he tweeted, interesting decision by the Cardinals yeah. office to sure they, they have a good young rotation, they get the draft pick, but Lynn for one year, 13 million or 14 million is what he tweeted, yeah. would have helped them in 2018. Very what, true. What, what do you think the organization's response to that sentiment would be? They're not just focused on this year. They're focused on multiple years. I mean, it's, you would get the same answer. And I, I know that it's just not appealing. Like, fans just don't like that answer. So whether or not they – and that's what do we're at. Do you think it's the right strategy? I, I mean, it, it's proven. Um, you know, I, I think one more pitcher would have helped this team. You know, and, and whether that pitcher was Lance Lynn or, or a reliever of some type, I think – one more pitcher, or Jake Arian, on a short-term deal, I think one more pitcher changes this team. But what we never quite are clear on is, would Lance have signed for a one-year deal with the Cardinals just to redo it? And, and the Cardinals have already, like I said, the Cardinals have already, I think one of the more compelling things for the Cardinals point of view is they've already seen that. They know what that team looks like. Who is happy with that team? You know? Like, if they bring back a reunion tour of Lance Lynn, um, for this coming year, how's that rotation perceptibly different than what last year's was, except for Michaelis? But would Lynn take Michaelis' spot? Right. That's what we were playing out yeah. on, on the radio show this so morning. If they were to do that, who's out? I assume it's Michaelis would have been out if this yeah. happens, if it was playing out the hand. But, but what people are theorizing, so I want to make sure I address it, because I said we yeah. would. I imagine you got this. I'm sure you'll be doing your chat on stltoday.com, which for my buddy is, is just Outstanding reading. I know it's free. As is this time. (laughs) But, uh, well, there must have been something either the Cardinals didn't like Lynn or Lynn didn't like the Cardinals. That's what, that's what, because for those who don't understand that side of we don't want to bring him back because we've already seen it, we want the draft pick, whatever the case might be. That that makes it personal. Why is it personal? Because people can't figure out what the professional is. Well, the professional is that the Cardinals saw, we'll go down and now. Again, it doesn't mean that I agree with this, but I can explain. The professional part is they see him as a $12 million pitcher who might give them, you know, let's say, or a $13 million pitcher who might give them $17 million in value. That's what they were willing to go to. One year, $17.4 million with the draft pick. So maybe they see him as $17 to $20 million in value, right? They see Michaelis 
as a $7 million pitcher this year who can give them $20 million in value. So they're looking at this, and this is how teams talk now. The teams talk about getting the best value, not the best production. And when fans talk about Lance Lynn, what, what do they look at? I mean, are they talking about wins? Are they talking about ERA? What is, now, Lance Lynn's, his value, or his asset is durability and the likelihood that he'll be better this year than he was last year, another year removed from uh, Tommy John. However, you know, his peripherals were struggled last year. There's a reason why all these teams that now see players the same way mm-hmm. with these same statistics and the same advanced metrics were reluctant to go after him. Why they're reluctant to go after um, you know, like a, like a Jake Arrieta. Why you see a market really cool for Alex Cobb, which in some way is reassuring that the market has at least some awareness. But you also saw teams rush for Tyler Chapman and rush for Miles Marlis. Why? Why were were there seven, eight, nine teams interested in Miles Marlis and seven, eight, nine, ten teams interested in Tyler Chapman and three? Let me ask you about this because the the answer seems very obvious. I already know what the answer in one sense is, but but I'm asking more in a specific way of this. Is the world different from an analytics standpoint? No, that wouldn't really stand reason because there's been no baseball since the end of last season. Mm-hmm. With the way teams are viewing players now, as in March slash February, versus how they were viewing pitchers players in November, because no. how do you explain? No, it's not. No, uh, it's just that. So what has happened was in November we were dealing with the information that we had, which was past markets, past years, mm-hmm. and how those worked. Um, but what we weren't aware of was how the two factors within, and this is a little bit about what I'm going to write for STL today. I've already written it. I just have posted on STL today. But what we couldn't allow for are two or three factors that would go into this. One is there is no longer the wild card organization. There is no longer the scout-based, we're going to do it the old-fashioned way organization. Now they are all hedge funds. They are all run that way. Philadelphia's run that way. Arizona's run that way. Some of the old holdouts, uh, we're still going to value players the way they did 10 years ago, 20 years ago, 30 years ago, whatever. Those are gone. Now every team is run like a hedge fund. That was one factor. The other factor that we couldn't, we couldn't possibly know in November was how many teams were just going to divest themselves, not just of talent, but of interest in adding players. Mm. You know, because everyone focuses on the Marlins and the Rays, and look, they, you know, they, they shed players, they traded players and everything like that. Well, that makes a lot of sense, right? And they changed the marketplace by making those guys available. Don't ignore the fact they also changed the marketplace by having zero interest in free agents. And when you have teams that have zero interest in free agents, then the upper-tier guys tend to go and get the attention, like Darvish and all that stuff. They, they tend to get the attention that they need. But the guys in the in the gooey nugget middle, there aren't the twelve teams racing it. Right. So, so like right. Lance Lynn, who would be a pretty good fit for a team that recognizes it needs him to be five hundred. Well, that team doesn't want him to be five hundred. They're content winning seventy two games. So you that's something that we didn't know because we hadn't seen before. Um, we hadn't seen a third of the teams, which is what the union believes. A third of the teams just say, you know what? No, we're good. We we don't want to spend twelve million to get four wins better. 
because we'd rather not have those four wins this year, save that money, get the lower draft pick, and then try again yeah. in two years. And that that's those are that's market factors. Okay. That's that's the one thing we didn't know. So you have these two elements. You have every team seeing players through a value lens in the same way now, which effectively makes all the math the same. And then you have these other things where you just had teams just bow out of free agency, whereas they wouldn't before. Along those lines, you brought up the Philadelphia Phillies and the Arizona Diamondbacks. The Arizona Diamondbacks, when they brought in La Russa, I thought La Russa went over there with a mission to prove he did. the analytics people wrong. He said that, yeah. And I feel like that was the case, because I would have conversations with him off-air, and he goes, you don't think that, that, that yeah. I don't know what I'm like, right, I don't know, I'm not going to argue with this. Like yeah, I talked to him the other day about it. Yeah. Is he is he now resigned to it? He still thinks it would work, or where where is he? I didn't um, mean to get on Tony Larusa thing. No, no, it's okay. about the Diamondbacks. I'm going into the Phillies and Jake Arrieta. That's where. Yeah. So you know where I'm going. It's like part of the interruption. That's what would be up on the side of the screen. They would put in another box. <laughs> they would yeah. just insert a box. The next Tony Larusa cracks me for three minutes. Yeah, yeah. Um, so uh, two things on this um, that come to mind is one, yeah, Tony wanted to prove that there's still humanity yes. in baseball. Um, you know, and I talked to him the other day about that, and he, uh, we were watching the game, um, the Boston Cardinals game, and we were talking for a while about, like, what, where is the people power in baseball right now, and we have numbers to define everything, so how do you get at the, the, the beneath the layers of statistics to find out what drives a guy, and then also where talent arrives, mm-hmm. um, and that still does interest him, um, that they, and you know, every team still thinks that has a place. I mean, every every decision has to have some kind of um, non-statistical lacquer on it because you want to know what type of guy the player is, how he fits in the clubhouse, how does he deal with failure. These are things that you can't really assign numbers to. They want to try, but they can't. And so, how do you how, how do you evaluate a fit of a group? And that stuff does interest Tony. Um, what what I always found interesting in, interesting in Tony is he and Dave Duncan were sabermetrics before sabermetrics were cool and before it had a name. And Dave Duncan was doing stuff with shifts and pitch yeah. locations and everything, and he was drawing it out by hand. He had this these you saw them yeah. the huge crates. Yeah. So those huge crates that he would carry around, and they would have binders for every guy. I mean, if you ever got a chance to see them, they're amazing. They're detailed. They say what a guy does on what pitch, what location, where a fielder should be. And Jose Akendo used to sit there and pour over them and, like, memorize, all right, well, if we're going to approach this guy and he usually hits the ball here, I better start moving the field yeah, out over yeah, there. Yeah, yeah. All right. How, what they were doing then that was called smart baseball is now sabermetrics. Mm-hmm. Dave Duncan, Tony LaRusso, all these guys, they were ahead of the curve. Look at some of the matchup stuff. Just think back to how Tony used So Taguchi or Aaron Miles or all these guys. And the conversation he would have is, I need to find out how much is just right and how much is too much for the bench players and the backup players. And I have to find the right matchup that puts them in the best situation to excel because they may not get the most at bats. And you, there were times you'd be like, oh my gosh, you know, Aaron Miles is hitting 310 this month. But then you go, oh, well, naturally he's hitting 310 because Tony was playing the matchups to get him in the best position. Yeah. Well, how's that any different than sabermetrics? Yeah. You know, some of the stuff that um, they did in the 2011 National League Championship Series, 
when, I'll remind folks, the Cardinals relievers pitched more innings than the Cardinals starters. Right. Okay? Yeah. We didn't have fancy, you know, Andrew Miller and, you know, we had win probability and all that stuff, but it wasn't wide, widely known. You know, and if anything, you know, Tony and Dunk were often accused of then of being too wed to the closer notion. You know, uh, you know, that sometimes the most important arts aren't the final rounds, mm-hmm. and they would tell me, well, we need this guy. But their actions were very sabermetric, you know, were very modern, and now mm-hmm. it's accepted. And that was seven years ago mm-hmm. that they did it. So I, I understand. So those are the two tracks of Tony. Tony that does want to defend the people power in baseball yeah. and believes there's a place for it. And he's with the Red Sox now, and that's part of his role there, and that's always part of his role. You know, don't let the computers take over. However, that shouldn't ever be misread on Tony's part as disrespect for analytics. Because, like I said, he was sabermetrics before sabermetrics were cool. Okay. And, I, and then and then the track records there in the 2000s. Absolutely. So much of that. Mm-hmm. I want to make sure. Well, that I go back to the eights. The yeah. eights had, you know, the, those were the opening stages of Moneyball. I want to get a bunch of questions in, but first, I, there's two other topics I wanted to make sure that we discuss. Uh, I saw about a month ago, and John Heyman was sure to retweet it to remind people, but he did talk about the Phillies and Arietta. Awesome. Uh, and it I makes think, the last, the Phillies are coming. Yeah, they were, they were 66-96 last year, and they go and get Carlos Santana, and now they get Jake Arietta. You just made reference to it, because I'm sure some people are like, the Phillies, where the hell? Mm-hmm. You say the Phillies and are And Manny Machado next year. You think they'll be all in on... Uh, I think they'll be all in on Manny Machado. And then the Phillies... They're the next tank to title team. You know, that's that's they they tore it down, they restructured their front office, they added more of an analytical bent after being one of the last holdouts. Um, you know, they went young, gathered young, flipped players for young, um, and now have started outfitting it with, you know, they got Santana for, for first right. base. Um, they got young guys all in key spots. They got a, a pitcher who I think is exceptional in Aaron Nola. Yeah. He would be the um, top of the rotation guy, I would imagine. He has every ability yeah. to be on that. You know, I think there are some similarities between Arizona of this year and what the Phillies Arizona of this past year, yeah. sorry. And what the Phillies could be this year. Right. A very intriguing team and then they'll then they'll they have money. They they have money galore and they'll go out and get, you know, Manny Machado to Play whatever position you want. I gotta go look at their over under number in Las Vegas. Actually, I might do that right now. I hope you don't mind me pulling up my bookie site. Uh, I wonder if it's changed. <laughs> I know that's what I'm kind of wondering over the last 48 hours. Yeah. The Cardinals over under number, by the way, at least on the uh, site that I use, is 86, 86, 86, 86 and a half. I don't know what the the nationally accepted number is. Why, why wouldn't it always be half? I know, so you don't have a push. Yeah. I agree with you. So let's just call it 86 and a half. Would you like to punt? That's the other thing when I get on the chat. Like people go over under home runs by, and then they give a flat number. No, no, they just go over under home runs by Jed Jerko. And I go, yeah, well, you need a number. I go nineteen and a half. That's how it works. And then and people on the chat will go, well, he can't hit half a home run. I'm like, I, don't I don't know, know how you do the chat. I just want. I want. I don't know how you handle Twitter actually. Oh, uh, let me see. Phillies over under wins over under something. <laughs> uh, Seventy-seven. Ooh. Do you see the value? You're on the oh, you're on the over on that. Well, yeah. I'm going to shift some of my role. I mean, I, I guess my role I guess the question is like the question for that would be uh, Cardinals is 86 and a half. Okay. And yes, that number is 77. Why wouldn't it be 77 after 76 and a half? I don't know. 
Well, here's here's how I look at that number. How good do you think the other teams in the division? That's are exactly be? what I was. So the Marlins are going to be they're 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 sushi this year. People just gobble them up. Um, so there are lots of wins available there from the Marlins. Marlins over under how good? Fifty four and a half. Atlanta. Atlanta's over under seventy five and a half. So that is a that's a farce. That that they would be two games apart. I mean, you look at Atlanta and you look at Philly. Philly's on the rise and Atlanta's at idle. And then how good? I mean, I guess what it comes down to is how good do you think the Mets are going to be? What's the uh, the Mets eighty two? So I bet that you could flip those two. That the Phillies make, and the Mets. That would make seventy seven for Mets, eighty two for the Phillies. Yeah, that would so make more sense. Under. I'm going to take you up on this. I really am. By the way, the National as we go through the NL East ninety four and a half. But they're 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 good, but you know what? They're less Cubs good. are 93 and a half. They're less good because they didn't get Arietta. That, that's what I wanted to talk about. So we talked a little bit about the Phillies and Arietta. So the, Phillies, so the, so the that's Brewers a, that's didn't a, get either one of them. Were you no. surprised by that? Um, so they... Brewers over under, just so I make sure I go through the tour here. So the Brewers seemed more... Yeah, it's 83 and a half. Cardinals 86 and a half. The Brewers' interest in Lynn was there, but their preference was to trade for a guy, um, whether that's Odorizzi now traded, so and a teammate of or a Duffy from the Royals. So the Brewers still may get their guy. I mean, Cobb is still available. Mm-hmm. Um, there's a few other pitchers still out there. You, you guys that actually, I think, would be intriguing kind of, to use your word, value plays. Right. Um, one-year deals, not very much. Um, but, uh, you know, there's still guys out there. So they they can make that play. Duffy is still with the Royals in last check. So. You know, you can make the trade there, but uh, but the Brewers seemed intent on going that route rather than going the win route. Right. Arietta was always, they were always kind of a sleeper agent for Arietta. Um, the teams that I heard most with Lynn and wrote about in the paper were the Twins. I guess I should retweet that out. Um, yeah, you got you to gotta, you gotta retweet, pat yourself on the back. Is that, is that where we're at? Well, I'm, I'm of course, in another world. So I was free for your the, world. The it's Giants like, stuff from yes. like a month ago. And you did call that shot. Yeah. You did call that shot. It is weird. I kind of uncomfortable with it, but that is what's going on. But I noticed that. I'm not uncomfortable with it. So just, I just want to do my job. I'm going to tweet out 30 different tweets about who's going to win the World Series. What, where and then in October, when one of them hits, I will be retweeting that one and ignoring the other 20. What we're going to get is it's going to be like Boy Scouts all over again, where I'm going to ask my mom to stitch patches on <laughs> my sash for stories that I've I've broken or stories that I've done <laughs> or whatever, and you, know, you get little badges for the awards. And that's what it's going to end up being. I just might as well dust off the, 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 <laughs> the voice Let me ask you about this on uh, on what happened Friday night. Post dispatch network. Miles Michaels, that was important, and you detailed what like a defining moment in that start. And your your piece in the post dispatch was the fourth inning, two on. I think nobody out. Either way, he's facing nobody out. Korea. And he owned them. Yeah. Um, and, uh, and he touched 98? He touched 98. Um, so 96, 97, 98. Um, you know, they're, so that's, that's the feedback from multiple places. Um, scoreboard down there um, had Verlander at 96, 97, which he throws. And Trackman had the, both those pitchers in that area. So that's the question of was it running hot on one pitch and they got the 98. Michaelis did not seem phased at all. I asked him, do you think he had 98? He goes, yeah, I might have more. I'm like, oh, wait, what? <laughs> like, well, okay, wait, that, is that possible? And he overthrew it, so, you know, maybe he doesn't. What was he doing velocity-wise in his first couple of starts? 95, 96. 
know, so not, I mean, so arms getting stronger, right. I mean, but also, also it was the message. I mean, there were, there were a couple messages to him was, um, A, throw harder and see what happens. I mean, he threw a split change in the low 90s, and that was not in the low 90s um, against the Braves. Mm-hmm. That was a pitch that was like more in the, you know, middle third 80s. Right. And was getting nicked for ground balls and not swings and misses. And, um, you know, and so Maddox said, throw hard, throw it hard, um, throw everything hard, throw the cutter hard, throw the sinker hard, throw the split hard, throw the fastball hard, just throw harder and throw inside. Mm-hmm. And that was the challenge that he, uh, and he kind of rose to it, you know, I mean, I think. Yeah, I mean, that was exciting to see that, especially not just the results, but the manner with which, like you said, sometimes a guy go out and kind of hit around, but yeah, he yeah. good stuff and just had some bad beats. Uh, all right, next uh, 10 minutes, we will go with only questions from the audience on the Tim McKernan page on Facebook. I know a lot of you uh, are watching on Periscope on Twitter. It's the Tim McKernan Show on Facebook where we take the questions. Uh, Triad Bank is one of the sponsors of Live from Spring Training. Derek Gould with me on Tuesdays, Dan McLaughlin. On Thursdays, as we are in Jupiter, Florida, for the Cardinals Spring Training. And Triad Bank is online at triadbanking.com. And we were starting up inside STL. I went to Triad Bank and got a line of credit. My brother with the Improv Shop, which I would highly recommend, by the way. My brother Kevin owns the Improv Shop. I like to go there. That's a good spot, man. He's got a great thing going. Uh, he went to Triad Bank. They're online at triadbanking.com. 314-993. Four three 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 one four nine nine three four three three three. They are located at one zero three seven five Clayton Road. I'd say Caddy Corner of Schneidwitz is how I would tell you. Uh, on the other side of the street, on the north side of the street from Plaza Frontenac, it's Triad Bank. Their CEO Jim Regna. His office is right there when you walk in, so you know who's running things over there. We've been doing business with them a long time at Inside STL. My family has as well, and I know a number of our listeners have. We can recommend them wholeheartedly to you. Online at triadbanking.com. Triad Bank, 314-993-4333. Or go online at triadbanking.com. All right, let's go into some of the questions. If the worst-case scenario happens, regression by the young fam, carp out most of the season, Michaelis a bus, Wayno Dunn, bullpen implodes, are there drastic changes or are Mo and Matheny, quote, made guys in DeWitt's mind? Drastic changes. Drastic changes. Yeah, I mean, you, that just described, like, I mean, yeah, I mean, yeah, I mean, you just described, like, chaotic, the apocalypse. Yeah, 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 I was trying to think of the word, I mean, like, it was the seven seals of the apocalypse, <laughs> um, you're right, I you know, yeah, and no one would be, I mean, it just, there would be changes, I mean, I, I don't, I think it's palpable around the team. It's certainly palpable in baseball. Mike Matheny himself told me in the podcast that he knows. Yeah. I mean, he's, he has been very forthright with it. Um, you know, Mosellock obviously is, uh, what was the phrase, made man? Made man. Yeah, yeah he's, he's there. He's, he's, he's a made man. Yeah. I think, I mean, he's the president of baseball operations. Um, his, his current job is not going to be judged entirely on the standings of this team. He might be alone in that. Everybody else, I mean, look, you know, they they have outfitted the coaching staff with Mike for Mike Matheny with baseball operations selected guys. Mm-hmm. You know, Mike Maddox, you know, is is hired by Mo. Um, you know, uh, Akendo is back after talking 
with Mo and Matheny. Willing McGee um, is there because of his relationship with Matheny, but also because you know Mo has helped him you know move into this position. Mm-hmm. So the uh, the indications are all there, and I think it all started with the great rearrangement of June 2017. Yeah, that I think you know that that was to me where um, the Cardinals had been on simmer for a couple of years. We'll see how this goes. We'll see if the pasta gets out that day. We'll see if this cooks. And that was the day that they went that they turned the burner up. Uh, it's been hot ever since. What's the biggest competition for a roster spot available? Bullpen or bench? And then biggest shock, in your opinion, who will make the 25-man roster? That's a two-prong question from Andy Cockrell. Uh, bullpen is the most competitive uh, right now. Um, I, I think that uh, you could see any of uh, three or four guys who might surprise you make that. Um, Josh Lucas has pitched very well. Um, you know, you could see that. Uh, John Gant, as a long reliever, has done well. He got dinged around the most recent round, but... Um, has done well in mm-hmm. that. You could see him. Mike Myers, you could see him. He would be um, one of the, the guys who might surprise people. Um, he has been very impressive. And that that's where the most competition is. You know, Leon is set. Um, Tuvalala is out of options. Right. So he's but in. you think he's on? I think he's in. But some of these other guys <coughs> could elbow him aside if they think he, they're going to be better. Um, you know, like a Lucas guy. Lucas has pitched very well. Um, different look. You know, Ryan Sheriff has done well, offers some lefty things. Uh, we were we were going through it, uh, Rick Hummel and I, the commission, we were going through, like, uh, the bullpen options for the major leagues and the bullpen options for Southern Clap with the Pacific Coast. And it's like, and it, they both could be pretty good. <laughs> you know, which speaks to why they want to flip back and forth. And I, th- I think that's the that's the thing that stands out about spring, is they come in with no real answers in the bullpen. Um, and then I wrote about this at the paper the other day. is like one of the most impressive parts of spring so far for the Cardinals has been the bullpen, and it still remains one of the biggest questions, who's going to close. Yeah, isn't that weird? That, that was one of, that's one of the questions before I moved to that question, actually. Uh, biggest shock to make the 25-man roster. Is it Jairo Munoz? Uh, you think Jairo? Jairo. Uh, Jairo. Um, no, I think Harrison Bader still. I, I think just, he came in with the edge, and I don't think he's done anything okay. to lose it. Brevik Valera um, and Munoz. So there are four guys right now. Um, Bader, Munoz, Valera, and Garcia. And what Valera has that the other three do not is he bats left-handed. Mm-hmm. That is of great appeal to the front office um, and to Mike to a certain extent as far as putting down the bench. Um, Brevik can play other positions. But Bader has uh, has been pretty good. Um, I think we'll put a lot of stock in who makes the opening day roster. And the guy who's in drastically so quick. You know, You're right. They'll have Vader there for two weeks, um, you know, and then he'll go down and play for two weeks and come back. You know, there's no harm in that. So, f- final question. Uh, Derek has a lot to tend to. Huh. I have clients in town, so I'm going to be tending to that momentarily. Um, but uh, this question, because you just kind of teased it a little bit, who do you think has the most saves for the Cardinals by the season's end? It's essentially just. Throw a dart. <laughs> yeah, is I think uh, what can I can I take the field? <laughs> um, let's see. That's a good question. Um, Would a sneaker play where you get value because you don't look for value mm-hmm. be Leon? Ooh. Okay, so that's an interesting thing. So I think you'd have to. This this would be a good game to play. All right. So I, I think like you'd, I think you'd have to do it like we would do the standings. 
and have to do the over under. Like, mm-hmm. would you put Leon at eleven and a half? My like this is right okay. my alley here. And okay. you would put Gregerson at twenty two and a half. Okay. I'm going to take the over on Leon and I shift the under on. I know you're taking under yeah. on Gregerson, but you might also, but but the over on Leon it might be fifteen. Right. And get the over. Right. They both get at fifteen. Right. They would win the bet. Yeah. Is the better play to go like Myers at half, and if uh, he goes and gets eleven, then that's the bigger payout, right? Nicely done here. This is, is that nice. Right? Yeah, you might okay. have a gambling problem. I wasn't so, even aware of. I like no, what you're thinking. This is I great. Have a math problem. <laughs> <laughs> but that can lead to a gambling I, problem. I like the math. That can lead to gambling profitability. I like the math part yeah. of it. So, um, so that that that's the question, right? Is mm-hmm. is Leon? Um, going to double what you would expect, maybe, probably. I mean, look, he, there's a reason why he's closing out spring games. Right. As weird as that is, and he's impressed. Um, you know, where you might go, you might, you might have, today or a week ago, you might have had people go, well, I would imagine that Leon and Tui Malala will both finish around that. Yeah. Save six saves. Well, now you might go, well, Leon will go over. Right. Tui probably at that level. Gregerson down. You know, Myers maybe all of a sudden emerges late. Um, where Reyes fits in there, you know, as part of it, um, the Cardinals are gonna. I I think increasingly it's clear that when Reyes comes aboard, he's gonna be a hybrid. Mm-hmm. Um, he will get some starts, um, but he's gonna be the rarest of relievers in the sense that uh, they don't want him to only have the sixty plus saves right. of a closer. They want him to have the ninety to one hundred saves. Or uh, what, 9,100 innings. They would love 90. Sure, it wouldn't that be a lovely season? That would be an epic <laughs> season. Um, but 9,100 innings of, you know, one of these long forgotten, you know, um, like, I don't know, workhorse relievers, mm-hmm. for lack of a better word. Yeah, so, yeah. you know, you have him lined up to go two, three innings on days when you think that the starter will go five, or you have games where you might have, um, you know, a five, one lead. After the starter's done at six and you're at Wrigley Field and you just go to Alex Reyes. There you go. Enjoy. Enjoy three innings. Yeah. It's, all, it's all yours. Yeah. By the way, before we wrap up, yeah. uh, you have won. See, I'm just in, I'm just in no, no, golf no, attire. This, this, you shipped me today with yeah. the solo shirt. And yeah. you kind of went over and sent a message. You weren't going to lose today. No, I, I'm very happy. <laughs> very and I obviously can see it. It was it's like a an very comfortable shirt. Go ahead and take it. It's a very I, comfortable shirt. Big time. This is a big recommendation. Uh, not that it, there needs it, but uh, I love reading the FCLtoday.com chat. I don't know how much you enjoy doing it. You don't need to comment on that. But I know I love reading. It has a purpose. I, I mean, I don't mind it. I don't mind it. it the, the thing I, I – it's good. It's a great interaction. A lot of times it's really fulfilling because the questions are great and challenging and and come with different ideas. And I don't mind that. I, I mean, you, you were talking about your uh, brother with the improv. That's right. That's right. So I do like the improvisational nature of it. I, 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 I People might not believe this, but I would welcome, like, like I think, all right, I'm, I ask questions at press conference all the time. It'd be kind of fun to go and, all right, fans on Twitter and all these people who want to ask the tough questions and hold me accountable, let's do it. Let's yeah. come, let's let's set it up where I'll hold a press conference. And, and I, I would I would welcome that. That'd be and good. If, and if you guys stymie me, okay, that's yeah. on me. Yeah. And if you challenge me, great. Then we're both better for yeah. it. Yeah. And so I like that aspect of the chat. Um, the part about the chat that I can't. It, it's hard 
and maybe people don't get is I read, I see all the questions, or I see most of the questions, so I even see the ones that are filled with poison. And, and I think you'll see towards the end of the chat, I've deleted enough of those, right. but I've still read them. Yeah, it's like when and I tell my stories eyes are red to people, like, you know, like my family, so you don't like, see them. they're like, oh my God, I can't believe somebody said that. And I go, I've been reading like stuff about that for two decades, so yeah. I'm kind of used to it, but if the average person is not used to it, yeah. they oh my god, but when you're kind of used to it. And I don't put those in the chat, right? but I can't unsee Right, it. I know exactly what you're saying. Yeah. Uh, Derek, cool, I really enjoyed this one. We were uh, we were all over it for about 40 minutes, and that was not the plan. It's brought to you by Design Air, heating and cooling, live from spring training. They're online at designairservice.com. They are the number one train dealer in the Midwest. Here they are, look for that logo. Just know that when you need a new air conditioner or you need to get your air conditioner checked up, but when the weather warms up, go online at designairservice.com. Designairservice.com. You know, the number one train dealer in the West. It's hard to stop training. I am a client of Design Air. All of us on the running Kelly Morning After. Clients of Design Air. Derek is used Designer. Design Air. Designer, you can just know when you have a problem, make sure that you call Design Air. Go online at designairservice.com. And thank them for their sponsorship. They have made this possible throughout spring training. I'll be back with Dan McLaughlin later in the week. Derek, always enjoyed it. All yeah, kinds thanks. of stuff here, and we'll look forward to reading on stltoday.com. Yeah, coming up. Good story. Yeah, what do you have tomorrow? DTs. Um, yeah, let me try to think about this. A, uh, I have a story about how probably hundreds, maybe thousands of folks on Twitter's perceptions about a player are, are wrong. Wow, that was a nice tease. Yeah, you guess. displayed your broadcasting and gambling abilities here just out of nowhere, <laughs> along with the fashion today. This is a big show. Oh, this yeah. Big okay. show. Okay. This is a big this show. Is my I have to tell you, I'm looking forward. So this is going tomorrow? Yeah, tomorrow's going right. right, if I get through the chat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> the and then I got to Lance Lynn. I talked to Tony Clark uh, um, Saturday. Oh, deals. Well, one of the questions I asked Tony Clark was, um, are you uncomfortable with the fact that you have now two, at that point in time there was one, player who received a qualifying offer and signed for less? Yeah. I have a problem yeah. with that trend. Um, especially when it's Moustakis, who signed with the same team. Right. So he didn't even get the best deal offered him by the, the team he team. signed with. Right. And wasn't even 50%. He signed a closeout price with a team that had already offered him sticker value. Which is, is weird. That is fascinating. What's been going on? Well, look at start reading all that. It's up coming up on stltoday.com, the St. Louis Post Dispatch. Derek Gould with us here on Live from Spring Training, presented by Design Air Heating and Cooling.